smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hi i am abhir of call and welcome to this edition of mint guru portfolio tejas khode got hooked to the stock markets after watching the stock price ticker running on a business news channel an avid chess player tejas likes practicing martial arts and apply skills like focus and discipline learned from there in his investments too He doesn't hold more than 5 stocks in his portfolio. Tejas, who is the co-founder and chief executive officer of Fires, a brokerage for stock traders, shared his investment strategy and financial journey for the special mint series Guru Portfolio. Let's listen in. Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. Uh, if you can start at the beginning with your family details your educational background right so um my educational background is uh, i did my masters in finance uh, i did my pgdf finance and then i went on to uh, work at you know various different companies including a brokerage early in my career that's how i got started my family background well basically uh, my father was a businessman but he died early um so yeah so i kind of grew up trying to learn the ropes of business uh, just by myself and with my brothers so yeah that's my family background right and how did your initiation happen into the stock markets uh so so truth be told i was actually fascinated by the stock markets early when i was in high school because i wanted to know uh, i was flipping through channels and i was like why are these numbers moving on cnbc and i i want to became really curious to understand that but besides that my uh, father was actually indebted in his business and so the interest the movement in the interest rates impacted him uh, so in high school i dropped science and took up economics to understand how can uh, interest rates change after you take a loan so actually my curiosity changed from there trying to learn how floating interest rates work and yeah so that's how i got started and and what were the initial steps i mean you mentioned in the high school did you start investing at that point or when did you start investing i did actually so um, i i was initiated by um, my friend's father who lived in the neighborhood so he was investing in ipos back in the day this was in 2006 somewhere in, in and around that year and i didn't really have any money so he'd give me some money to invest so i opened a dmat account and started buying uh infrastructure and real estate ipos back in the day uh, mm. so yeah i mean that's how i got started and and i've i've seen the markets go up wildly and uh, and crash so i've seen the entire roller coaster journey since then and instead of being deterred i was just more determined to understand why it happens and mm-hmm. and that why led me to uh, to you know to explore more right and and what were the initial stocks or any any different asset class that you invested in at that point well when i first got started i was mostly an equities guy uh because that's that was hot back then and i didn't know anything else uh but yeah primarily equities and uh, later on commodities uh, when i became a professional trader at a prop trading firm uh, futures first i was trading commodities there energy markets and what were the initial stocks that you picked initial stock that i picked were the likes of dlf 
uh, you know these and the infrastructure stocks but i i very vividly remember dlf right and i would talk, talk about your first job uh, in investing or in trading so my first job was actually at a brokerage back in the day i was one of the first few employees of zeroda back in 2011 okay yeah so when the company was um maybe i mean obscure almost so that's i was one of the initial members of the team then yeah and what was the nature of the job well i was in i was basically doing little bit of everything i was in customer support risk sales all of that so primarily support trying to uh, help traders place buy and sell orders yeah so that was my first job description right and you were trading uh, or investing uh, on the side i was learning how traders behave so most of the traders back then were in derivatives futures and options and uh, so i got a first hand inside experience on how traders behave uh, in different times of the month mm-hmm. uh, in the sense you know during expiry days what was generally the trading behavior positions that traders would initiate you know that sort of thing i got to see that very early on when i was maybe about 22 years of age or something yeah and when did you leave zeroda i left there i think by 2012 or so i was out i was there for a brief period and then i moved on uh, for better career prospects as a proprietary trader uh, and this was with uh, which one this was with futures first so futures first is actually a prop trading firm um which is of course based out of london but they have offices in india so there i traded uh, energy markets on nymex and uh, intercontinental exchange and when did serious investing investing started happening well to be honest i didn't really have much money to invest right and i i spent most of my time trying to learn how to invest but the money to invest finally came after i started a brokerage and after you know i, I finally the brokerage turned profitable and so on so that's when i finally started to invest seriously but up until then i was just upskilling learning how uh, how to invest and and how to time the markets essentially uh, any strategy you had formed up in initial days well i think counter cyclical investing works and uh, i've always been a big fan of that in the sense, i i mean not specifically counter cyclical but i think the whole concept of you know buying and waiting out various business uh, several business cycles at a stretch requires you to get in at a time when uh, the downside is limited and that generally happens when the markets are looking very negative right that does not happen when you see numbers like okay there are 1 million dmat accounts being opened or or 2 million dmat accounts being opened every month that's not really the right time for long term investing that's probably the right time to do uh, momentum trading right and right. as it has turned out um, market stopped out last year most of the first timers and the excited investors got washed out and then i mm-hmm. think so i think for for the long term i believe in counter cyclical investing and for the short and medium term i believe in you know going with the momentum okay so this strategy you're still following i absolutely am yeah 
So talking about pre-fires, uh, it's the period before 2015-2016. Uh, any memorable trades or big trades uh, you remember from that period? Yeah. So, um, so having being uh, having been part of a prop trading firm trading energy markets, I was also had the, um, the I was fortunate to interact with macro traders at the firm mm-hmm. who were trading currencies and precious metals and the like. So. I mean, I had some really good trades in 2014-15, where uh, when the currency moved significantly. So India's currency depreciated from 53 all the way till 69. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to catch that trade. Also before that, uh, when uh, Modi's downgraded US, at the time gold had really like crashed, mm-hmm. and uh, that was another time when I was able to capture. um bulk of the move uh, yeah so my biggest trades i think would be precious metals and currency so uh, how much percentage gains of your uh, current overall wealth uh, would you like uh, assign to these uh, two trades that you mentioned well right now i run a business which is fairly large but at the time i think 20% to 15 to 20% of um my earnings back at the time i didn't have much money to really trade too much back then but like i said bulk of the money was made after the business started to make profits and so yeah i think back then about 15 to 25% of my savings um yeah something like that right okay yeah. so after futures first you founded um started fires uh so what motivated you to start your own firm yeah so the thing was that while i had experience working at indian brokerages like zeroda and others right and i felt that there was a serious um, so at but the difference between what the indian traders had as platforms here in india versus what global players and global traders were had there was a stark difference between that so um in terms of the product features in terms of the data that they had at their disposal to trade properly it was on a different level so so i thought well can we improvise on the product and give traders far more than what is available currently in india so uh, you know it started from there so and i thought well maybe we can do that and the way to do that is perhaps start our own brokerage and not just become a technology company um so back then like fintech and all was like building software was kind of hot so we chose the more harder route by becoming a stock broker and then providing technology which we think indian traders will appreciate um and so yeah we went down that path and uh, it worked for us basically trying to improve traders experience of trading in india correct so fries is positioned as a broker for serious trader as you mentioned uh, so what makes you better than other brokerages for serious traders that that are out there i mean two three features that distinguishes you i think the fact that we understand what traders really want is what prime separates us uh, quite a bit and so because we understand what they want we are able to deliver on their expectations on the product features and also in terms of what they expect in terms of services and so on so uh, just to give you an insight we were the first brokerage in india to introduce something known as drag and drop trading 
and price ladder trading mm-hmm. this was price ladder trading is something that i had used on nymex when i was trading energy markets so uh, when we started a brokerage in india we brought that i mean we brought that feature for indian traders basically what it enables you to do is trade based on price action by looking at bid offers um so who i mean i'm sure casual investors will not find it useful so casual investors were never really our target audiences to begin with so we started to go down the path of trying to build products which only active speculators will appreciate uh, so things like that we were more focused on historical data speed at which orders get executed uh, we also uh, were one of the few brokers who popularized api trading also known as algo trading for retail uh, so yeah stuff like that uh, so correct me if i am wrong fives has uh, around 3 lakh customers as of now yeah. uh, which is less than other brokerages and i understand you don't like to be compared with others but how so, so happy actually, are you into four so it's 3.5 lakh plus at the moment so yeah okay correct so uh, how happy are you with where fires is today or uh, and where would you like to see it in terms of users or trading volume in 2 3 years time okay so when you said uh, you know other brokers are far larger i presume that you are referring to some of the funded brokers who recently crossed maybe numbers like 1 crore and above right right yeah so the difference is again like i said our target audience has always been active traders it's never really we've never really wanted to be like a 1 crore customer company because then what happens is the focus shifts from trying to cater to those who want to participate in the markets every day versus to those who don't even know about the markets so we don't really want to cater to those who don't even know about the markets yet so we were very clear on that so we didn't really kind of like try to burn money uh, going down that path so fires is a bootstrapped company bootstrapped startup and we haven't raised any capital as such and um, and and we actually are doing fairly well in terms of trading volumes and so on you know so looked at in terms of that um, in terms of the trading participation i think fires is Uh, actually is quite up there in terms of the trading volumes in terms of all of that stuff yeah right because it tends to attract the most serious guys yeah so talking about active traders uh, what would the percentage of uh, this section uh, in terms of overall consume uh, customer base i would say all our customers are traders if you ask me none of them would be like the once in a while investors almost everybody is a trader whoever comes to buyers okay so 100% cons- customer basis traders i would say not 100% but at least 3/4 of them uh maybe 75% of them will be you know active participants in the market more than okay. that i'd say more than 3/4 next uh would it be possible to throw some light on uh, fires financials uh, in terms of profitability and revenue yeah, so fy22 we did more than 100 crore we did about 108 crore resort in revenues and uh, fairly profitable uh, we as a private company don't disclose our profits but i would say a profit profits are in excess of in the range of 25% or so now coming to your personal portfolio how are you invested 
and uh, we are talking here about in percentage terms equity debt gold real estate and alternate asset classes uh, how are you divided i'd say zero percent can you like go asset class wise i'll tell you percentages if that works first is equity okay so equity will be maybe 70% okay and debt debt at the moment will be nil okay. uh next is gold nil uh real estate um nothing that i've invested in so nil okay uh any alternative asset class yeah so 30% uh and this alternative will include forex uh and uh, no, not I mean, forex. what are they um okay. i would say invites invites and uh, you know yeah i would say just alternative asset classes like invites okay so 30% is invites yeah uh, and uh, you earlier mentioned about forex trading uh, so you you don't have any portfolio in forex oh well no i don't have any foreign exposure as a business so i don't see any merit in holding um you know foreign currency i did at a point when i was invested in the nasdaq stocks but not anymore i think when you invest in foreign assets is like foreign equity you indirectly get a dollar exposure uh, so needing to hold dollars or foreign currency mm-hmm. actually it's kind of diminished so you get an indirect holding there in terms of um, so for example right like if you buy any of the fang stocks uh, so they're all denominated in dollars right so you don't really need to buy additional dollars just for the heck of getting exposure so it's a better way i think to get exposure to dollars okay uh, and in terms of equity uh, what is the percentage allocation to uh, foreign uh, etfs and stocks well at the moment it's nil so i am really bullish on india and i continue to be invested here um i was invested in um, on the nasdaq stocks last year but i think we we got out because we thought the market was way too inflated and any level would you look to uh, reenter um no i think at the moment i think the biggest opportunities over the next 5 years are in india um so i would like to be committed to our country next is how do you go about your asset allocation do you have any particular percentages in mind when you go to equity or alternative asset class well i don't have any set rules and st- I mean, rules carved out in stone as such but i think it's a function of risk appetite i'm a high risk investor so i like to invest in equities and right. uh, and i believe in timing the markets and 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 yeah so and i i have a longer time horizon so uh, since i'm not looking for any fixed returns as such so i just prefer to be invested mostly in equities also i think invites are underrated mm-hmm. um they offer a substantial fixed interest that none of the debt funds in india can offer so fixed returns can come from there like yeah so that's a it's a really good right. uh, option for those who are looking for fixed income so you have invested in invits uh, from a point of view of dividend yielding asset class that's right yeah because if you look at equities the dividend yields are i mean even a 3% is considered a really high dividend yield in equities and most of them are like sub 2% so uh, dividend investing is out of favor considering the valuations and all of that stuff um so yeah if one is looking for fixed returns outside of debt investing 
then REITs and INVITES make sense. Right. And do you still trade? I don't have the time to trade off late. Uh, incredibly busy with running and scaling up the brokerage business. I would love to, but I genuinely do not have the time to do it at the moment. Uh, my next question is, how, how do you pick a stock or any asset class or business or sector uh, for that matter? Well, I think primarily tailwinds, primarily tailwinds and uh, and uh, observing if the management has the ability to capitalize on tailwinds, I'd say. Well, valuation is always relative. Uh, mm-hmm. So if the entire world, equity markets around the world are overvalued, uh, then I mean, then it's just a function of that, you know, how much are you willing to pay for any such thing? But I think if there is an industry tailwind and if we see any management that is able to capitalize on that, then mm-hmm. the chances of, uh, you know, profiting from such investments increases substantially. And I don't really believe in uh, investing in all stocks across sectors as such, because in, in, in even a good sector with tailwinds, generally you have horrible managements and uh, who are always kind of, you know, they, uh, they're unable to shake off the inertia, you know, and they get too comfortable uh, uh, running things as they always are and not being able to change. So we are kind of averse to investing in such stocks. Now, they're just talking about uh, market capitalizations. How are you placed in terms of uh, large caps, small caps, and mid caps? Uh, How is your equity portfolio divided there? I think if you invest in anything that is with everyone is already expecting, uh, then you're unlikely to make much money. So the philosophy of investing goes something like this, right? Like uh, discount the expected and bet on the unexpected. And so looked at, looking at investing from that standpoint, you really have to go down the market cap to see who the winners of tomorrow will be. You can't just say, okay, you're going to invest in this stock, which everybody knows is a winner. And they're able to pay any, they want to, uh, or are willing to pay any price for that stock. Those are not the stocks that you can actually make money over a longer period of time. Because bulk of the, uh, good news is already in the price. So having said that, I think we are a bigger fans of investing in turnaround stories and and mid and, and um, mid-sized companies becoming larger. Uh, so in terms of percentage, uh, I mean, seven, any percentage that you have? I'd say uh, none in penny cap. Uh, maybe it's divided between evenly divided between um, smaller large caps and mid caps. Okay, 50% large and small caps and 50% mid caps. Right. Okay. Uh, and now talking about the performance over the past years, uh, so your equity portfolio is divided 70% equity and 30% alternative asset class. Uh, how have they performed equity and then yeah, the other asset class? So we've accumulated uh, over a period of time. So we don't really measure it uh, in the near term. So we are not really um, trying to outperform the markets as such. We're just trying to hold on to good businesses, which will pay their dividends over a longer period of time. 
so we don't even check the stocks on a daily basis we look for look at corrections as opportunities to get in right and so from that standpoint i don't think uh, we've even measured so we yeah, we just you can, you can take it 10 years or 15 years if you want you can longer horizon in 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 the cgr terms well so like i said right like i started the venture in 2006 15 and then we only got the opportunity to start investing after the company turned profitable and was able to uh, uh, set aside reserves for its own growth so we haven't been investing for the last 10 or 15 years we started recently investing but i'd say it's too early to say i think we need to wait it out for the next 3 to 4 years to be able to answer that question i think short term volatility is not something that uh, we need to long term investors need to judge themselves on uh not talking about uh, strategies uh one strategy that has worked for your portfolio and one that did not okay uh the strategies that has almost always worked for me is counter cyclical investing uh where like for example before modi became a prime minister right like mm-hmm. there was this the markets were just going down because public sector banks were on the verge of defaulting in uh, 2012 and 13 like mid mid 2013 was the worst time to be invested in bank stocks so but right after mark but in november 2013 also when markets peaked out i mean bottomed out i think it was the best time to invest but uh the, there was so much bad news out there that only in may 2014 onwards where people said okay the new prime minister is here and so on so i what's worked for me is Uh, always investing when other people are uh, think that you know it's, it's doomsday or something so that's worked for me and another thing that's worked is i think investing on other people's how do i frame this so era i i believe in investing in the early phase of an irrational exuberance like uh when the markets are doing well and just i mean momentum is already on before the momentum accelerates into a parabolic kind of a move uh, so that is probably the one of the easiest things to do in investing is to just go with the flow and then uh, you know then timing is becomes the issue where you you like also expected to get out before everybody else that's the more difficult part exiting at the right time but i think investing uh, when the markets are extremely exuberant and i think that's a good time to invest uh but how do you bet on something when there is lot of uh, pessimism in the market i think at that when when everybody is pessimistic you really can't bet you have to invest mm-hmm. like you have to increase the time frame and just not use any leverage in your investing just invest with funds that you will not need ever like make peace with the fact that it might go down you know 30 50% and you're not going to sell out and never do it with leverage and just right. sit it out and so that's the way to do it in in pessimistic times because you have to make peace with the worst outcome 
but you're talking about uh, cycles that people think will or might turn around at some point of time. I'm talking about some themes uh, like, for example, telecom a few years back and then manufacturing a few years back, uh, old economy stocks a few years back. So people were saying, okay, they will not never come back. Uh, yeah. People had given up on them. So how do you uh, bet or how do you... Develop uh, the conviction is what you're asking me. Yeah. How do you develop the conviction to stay invested? Okay. So um, I develop my conviction from knowing that uh, everybody is wrong the assumption have to develop a conviction that mm -hmm. the crowd is generally wrong if one has conviction in that then i think one can invest heavily in down cycles if you believe that the crowd is always right and uh, you have a tendency to follow the crowd then counter cyclical investing is not free because you have to have that uh, a core belief that you know, the group of people are missing out on something. That's when you can really invest. I don't believe in investing in stocks where the best case scenario is already discounted because the best case scenario almost never plays out. So, but when you invest in stocks where um, the worst case scenario is being discounted and then there is limited downside, right? What if the worst case scenario does not happen? And then you have very limited downside and when people realize that, okay, now the worst is behind, then your returns are going to go through the roof and the stock finally picks back up again. So that's how counter-cyclical investing works. And, and it can only be done, I think, by people who have sufficient reserves, uh, not, not those who have access to short-term capital. So most of the fund managers are averse to such uh, investment strategies because you know, their investors might freak out. My next question is, uh, which stocks uh, do you think have contributed most to your portfolio over the years? Like I said, I've only started investing recently and I believe in investing in a concentrated manner. Uh, I don't know if I should be naming any stocks that I'm currently invested in right now. Uh, but I'd say I think I'd like to bet on turnaround stories in FMCG right now. And you mentioned concentrated bets. So how many stocks are there in your portfolio? Like three. Right. And uh, any range that you uh, target, the uh, number of stocks? The fewer, the better. Okay. So uh, you would say f less than five is what you aim for? I think more than five is too much. Uh, now, talking about sectors, any, any particular sectors that you're bullish on uh, and any sectors that you're bearish on? I'm always bullish on... Uh, banking and financial services because it's like a it's like a high beta bet on india's growth story and uh yeah so what i'm bearish on i think i'm bearish on uh you know unicorn startups going public uh now coming to your per, uh, personal finance details how many months of emergency fund do you provision for oh uh, i think 18 months or so uh, and any particular form that you to keep 24 it in? Months. Well, lower yield, low risk, low yielding returns kind of thing. Right. And that would be, I mean, your invites or... Uh, I think I would say invites. And were you able to, able to go on a holiday in the past year? I, yes, I was able to for a brief period. I was on a vacation doing martial arts with my friends. Uh, and when do you plan to take your next vacation? I really don't know. I hope within the next 12 months. <laughs> right. 
okay uh, last two questions uh, uh the first one is uh, what does wealth mean to you i think wealth means freedom to some extent the ability to uh exercise your um, yeah i think it's it's a function of the freedom that it can bring to your life and how do you identify yourself as an investor i i'd say i'm an i'm i'd say i'm an evolving investor i don't stick to the same rules mm-hmm. uh, and i prefer to change as per the changing dynamics of the market yeah so uh, they just i think that's it from my side it was pleasure talking to you hey it was pleasure talking to you too that's it for today if you have any questions you can write to us at mintmoney@redlightmint.com if you want me to cover any specific topic dm me at red abnow call at twitter To stay updated on this podcast, follow HD Smartcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nai nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.